Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers and creators. I'm Robbie Hicks. And I'm Lockie Bradford. Well, today is Monday and that means we're getting to know the people behind the stories. We talk to guests from all walks of life and unpack what makes them special. We are naturally curious, Rob. Well, that is what makes us special. Anyway, we could talk about ourselves all day, but Monday's episodes are all about our guests. Let's find out who we're talking to today. Today's guest is Dane Watson and Adam Zampa from Goodlids. Hemp headwear and good friend of the show, Dane Watson. He's been uh, around on Instagram. We've been following each other's pages for a while and we're big fans of what he's been able to build with his brand. And uh, just recently he's got Adam Zamper on board, Australian cricketer, and they're building out this puppy together. And I've got to tell you, this chat is unreal. Hey, bringing the Kiwi brand to the world. Excited. Uh, enjoy the chat. Lads, thank you so much for joining us today on the Funny Business Podcast. For those at home listening, I don't know who wants to go first, but tell us who, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, sweet. So uh, my name's Dane um, and I started up a hemp headwear brand called Goodlids. Um, and we've been recently joined by Adam Zampa, um, the Australian cricketer, uh, on board um, of the business, which is really exciting. We're a New Zealand business and uh, yeah, it's going to help out expanding it into Australia. So it's cool to have Zance on board. How did this love story come about? Uh, <laughs> love story. Um, actually, Dano um, has some mutual friends of mine. As, as he mentioned, I played uh, some cricket and a few of the New Zealand players um, are good friends with Dano. Um, they basically, one of the boys, Lockie Ferguson, said, Matt, while you're in New Zealand, check out this brand. I reckon it's you to a T. Um, checked it out. Loved it straight away. I thought, yep, yeah, this stuff's sick. So I got in contact with Dana. He sent sent me a few things and then kind of just grew from there. I was like, one day I just messaged Dana and said, man, this like, there's nothing like this in Australia. Let's, let's do it. And he was like, all right, sweet. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's build a brand. Um, we've kind of had a couple of different versions of the brand in Australia since chatting but now it's kind of still under the same Goodlids New Zealand um, banner and we're just going to try and um, organically grow it over here. What, what makes you invo- uh, interested in this side of things like obviously having sporting background being a professional athlete starting to look at different ways has it always been something you're interested in stuff outside of sport? I guess my background is conscious consumerism like I'm always thinking about where to get the right um, you know, to make the right purchase, what materials the right purchase. You know, I, I love my fashion. I love sustainability. Um, so kind of good leads, hemp clothing in general um, was something that something I'm really interested in. And then obviously um, the way that Dano started the business and, and um, yeah, it's just something that I was really interested in from, from day dot. Well, Dano, take us back. How did it start? What was the? Is this a concept? Hey, by is the it... way, by the way, it's Dano's first podcast here too, and he's just he's turning on a treat, and I'm I'm excited to hear the the good lid story because I haven't actually heard it before, and we get well, it straight well, from every, it's straight over audio, but people can't see. He's very handsome. Yeah, he's very beard's handsome. just perfection. <laughs> Alex Perry perfection. Some would say. Huh? I'm I'm very flattered, and you you guys are making me feel very much at ease. Um, yeah. Look, I how was good lids born? Look. I've always been a, a, a fan, a big fan of a hat. Um, and I guess 
I started becoming really passionate about sustainability. It wasn't something that I was very aware of, but I sort of was coming out the other end of, of university in 2019. And you know what the conversation topics are like at, at uni, you're kind of, you, everyone wants to save the world um, or make bank. And uh, I was like, you know, I guess I had my eye on trying, trying to do a bit of both. Um, and, but, you know, I was, I was a big hat, hat wearer and I was kind of looking for something that was, that was suiting my, my newfound uh, interest in sustainability. So a, a considered hat, if you will. And I was looking out there and I was like, well, there's, there's not a lot that sort of blends, um, you know, my preference for a pretty cool wearable aesthetic um, with the, you know, with the considered properties um, so I thought, hang on, this actually might be a really cool idea to, to try and build a hat business. And the, I think the idea really took on a lot more purpose and passion for me when I was going through that process of looking at textiles and looking at how it was going to be done. And I landed on hemp. And I was looking at this, this, this crop and, and I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, why isn't why isn't it being used everywhere? How is how is this not already been done by a bigger player? Um, and 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 you know on a huge scale. And obviously you got now you've got a Fens and and a few other players in in the southern hemisphere that are really pushing that pushing that drive. But it seemed to me like it was a fabric um, that that should have been used in you know in clothing commercially um, widespread. So. I thought, wow, what a fantastic opportunity. Um, what a great story. Hemp's got a great story in itself. Um, you know, it was kind of caught up in the whole war on drugs of the 1930s and 40s and, um, and you know, was pretty much pushed to the side along with the rest of the cannabis um, industry. Um, Why do you so reckon that is? Because they, they, you can't make money off it, could you? Because everyone can, can grow it. And that, wasn't it, you could, uh, it could replace petrol for planes or some shit like that. I read an article about that and I was like, yeah, oh, like there's a, there's a lot of, I, I suppose there's a lot of those sorts of like conspiracies that the, that the, um, the powers that be at the time were in bed with the big, you know, petrol companies and oil companies and Henry Ford was making cars out of hemp at the time. And, and anyway, that's, that's all it is. I, I, I don't know how legit it is, but, you see those sorts of those rumors floating around. Um, but either way, it, it had this fantastic story to me where I was like, you know, what if we can, what if we can try and mobilize this as something that's like super wearable hemp in general. Um, and let's try and do it without the reference to like weed culture. Cause look around, it's like a lot, you know, people, people were doing hemp, um, but there was still like a heavy reference to that, to that weed culture um, throughout. And, and, and I know that a lot of people maybe don't want to wear um, marijuana leaves all, like, all over their clothes, um, but want, want to access um, hemp at the same time. And I was just like, let's go. And with good design, you attract the stoners anyway, you know, done. <laughs> we, one of those things that we looked at, we were trying to, we hunted everywhere for like sustainable basics. It's something that yeah. we used a company called The Common Good. Uh, big shout out to Ben and Tessa who have helped us in, in the past do some stuff that is more on that ethical and sustainable front when it comes to merchandise or just getting products out the door. But I don't feel like a lot of the supply chains that have been set up to date aren't historically designed to help 
this particular thing? Did you have issues at the start trying to get this up and running and, and using hemp as a fiber and like making that choice for the way that you do everything? Yeah. So, so surprisingly, no, not really. I actually found it pretty easy um, to, to source it. Um, you got, I mean, you got to pay a premium to, to source sustainable products, but um, yeah, it was out there. There was, there's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, the, the whole sort of uh, sourcing fabrics was, was probably the easy part. I, I think the hard part was actually getting, having that, blend of the of the um you know the the hemp fabric um alongside like a silhouette uh for the hat that actually fit and sort of I, i'm not somebody who has a who has a design fashion background so i don't understand how to actually tackle a lot of these problems um and so that was the hard part like finding finding materials isn't that hard <laughs> When are you going to start designing the baggy greens then? Surely that's coming in, the contract and some hemp ones there. <laughs> yeah, we've, I don't know. We've, 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 we've spoken about that. I was like, you know, spitballing and, and, and talking about that potentially being an opportunity. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we've got the, 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 the coin to compete with the likes of Albion and Kookaburra and all those boys. What about like growing your team out? Like you now you're on board, Zam, so I'm sure you've all got different roles to play and, and having the clarity on what, what is my role in this and how do we, how do we execute that? How's that been um, figuring all out that stuff? Yeah, it's been, it's been really easy. Like um, straight away, Dane and I um, had a pretty good understanding of our roles. Like I respect what Dane's done in such a short amount of time for, for good lids. Um, I kind of see where he wants to take good lids as well. And my role in that is pretty simple. Like I, I, I do have a, I guess, not a fashion background per se, but I do enjoy fashion. I do love a good lid. Um, I love the sustainability side of things. And I also, um, yeah, just me and Dana have got on like a house on fire since getting to know each other as well. So it's um, it's been really easy. Um, we won't have too many problems knowing each other's um, roles are yeah like i'm obviously um out there playing cricket and and can use my marketing um to the best of my ability as well to try and get the hat out there which is basically um my role from from now on in well i I see you and how you uh, in terms of you're a cricketer but you also show off a lot of your personality which i which i vibe with and like we're starting to see now a lot of athletes now starting to branch outside a little bit and show different sides to themselves. I feel like it's been awesome to see like you and Stoinis and a few others really show out different interests because you need to be a well sort of rounded individual, yeah. especially when you're going through stuff and you, you go and you like the opportunities and what you've been able to build and having that audience, you want to do good things with it. You know, I don't think that's something that's historically I'd love to yeah. interview on this, like historically athletes then in Australia for that like tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, if, yeah. if you come outside and Ooh, they're trying, they're trying something. What, what are they doing? But yeah. like the power of a personal yeah, brand, like you being able to bring that to the table now for your own interests and your own business interests outside of, I know that's not the, the team element, but you've got athletes only got a finite career. You know, you're going to make, make, was it? Make rain while the sun shines. That's on? it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's really important to me. Like I, I've always been told personally that I'm like a bit different and a little bit rare and I've never really seen it that way. Like I actually just see myself as a pretty normal guy who I, I really respect what I do for a job and I'll always be grateful for that. But I also see it for what it is. Um, 
And I really see, you know, Goodleads is just another opportunity to obviously be involved in a company that has had a really good background for the last couple of years. I don't, I don't have to be one of those athletes that has to start a company from day dot and then try and build it. I can help Dano grow the brand. And in the meantime, I can hopefully learn a little bit about the business side of things. Um, and also it's just another cog to that personality side of things too. Like I, you know, I love my coffee. There'll be opportunities there. There's obviously now this opportunity in good lids with fashion. It's just another, I guess, way, another area where I can put my mind outside of going away on tour and just concentrating on cricket. Like, you know, my, my tours will be a little bit different now. They might be chatting to Dano about, you know, how we grow good lids, what's our next step. Whereas, you know, in the past, it's me, you know, laying in bed watching Seinfeld, drinking too many coffees and I then having a whiskey that, having a Tommy too tank with the gloves on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say having a whiskey at 4, 4 p.m. when I when there's a game at 6. Nah, <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> I, what about some of the stuff now, like now you're talking about to growing? You mentioned a couple of times of doing some stuff in Australia outside of the Goodlids thing. Uh, can you go on to about what's the plan our kiwi brand trying to go into different markets how, how do you keep the kiwi vibe and and bring it to the world yeah I'll, I'll um yeah i'll take this one um yeah look it's a it's a really good question and i, I think that the answer is is that we don't really know yet um we're keeping a really open mind to how we approach it um and i think i think we've we've spoken um We've spoken about our our first step, probably actually trying to have a physical presence in Australia, um, because that's something that I did early on with 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 Goodlids, and I found it worked really well. Just ha- being on the ground, particularly with hemp, having a tangible feature there as well, just like people seeing you, and like it's one thing claiming to be a business in Australia you know, but actually being online, not actually having a physical presence. But if you have a, if you have a store or, or, or doing pop-ups regularly and you have that presence on the ground, it's like, yeah, we're good lids, you know, New Zealand, but we're, we're in Australia. Um, and so I think that's our, our sort of first port of call and, and we'll be able to get a lot of feedback organically, um, from our customer base in Australia and, and they'll be able to provide us, you know, with some direction as to how we approach it from a product um, space, from how we tackle um, our sort of, I guess, the way that we operate outside the business in terms of some of the, um, you know, we've done a lot of work locally. We normally We normally do a lot of like local work with, um, local causes, uh, you know, wildlife causes, um, environmental causes, and stuff like that. And we've done that in New Zealand, um, and so it'd be, it's it's great, I think, to have an opportunity to get on the ground in Australia, get an understanding for the lay of the land. For me, I know Zamps has got has got that understanding, is able to provide that now. Um, but yeah, I think that's the way that we're looking at approaching it at this stage i think it makes the most sense to actually be in australia i think when you flicked us a couple of hats like locks wearing his one now and we haven't worn our two to death but one of the things that stood out oh, well I'm a, we're both massive hat people but just i'm the, bald and insecure yeah yeah i'm going gray yeah but uh it's the it's the <laughs> fit 
they're both very they're, they're very nice fit hat and, I think, like, and when the physical presence too especially with hemp they want to see what it feels like and if you're there you can educate them on yeah it's actually better for it you fit your head better and it's like you feel like and it feels real like we were talking even through pod through media lens like perceptions reality you have billboards and you have different presence and different touch points it feels way more real than just an online store yeah yeah absolutely and 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 I'm a big believer in 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 having and having those physical, especially in this day and age where everything's increasingly digital and and kind of, you know, we've got a store, a flagship store in Auckland, New Zealand now. And I remember sort of, I had I have a network of sort of family friends and stuff like that who who work as my legal and accounting sort of counsel, um, and you know they were all like, well, you know, before sort of helping me out with with the paperwork, they were like, well, you know, retail's dying, and I'm like, yeah, it probably you know it probably is on on the whole, but um, I still think you know with that comes comes some opportunity and and um yeah an opportunity for a small brand like us to to have that that uh retail store and and be able to compete and um yeah i just think that yeah if you're telling a good story selling a good product i think that uh yeah you're well you're well on your way will you be doing a little bit of visual merchandising going around at all the stores wanting the mannequin there looking like that Gonna be one of them ones. <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty guilty of 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 that. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was sort of, I was flying back from Australia a few weeks ago, and I was like two hours into the into the jet star flight, packed in like a sardine, and I was just like, oh no, like kind of wishing that I wasn't such a perfectionist because I was like, I know I'm gonna make this trip a few times from now on. So, <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> Well, it's like, like how important is the brand? Because I feel like there's a lot of people who the barrier to start a, your own fashion label or a brand is pretty low these days, but it's very difficult to create a brand that people resonate with. And I feel like that's what Goodliz has done very differently than sick that Samantha, you come on. Yeah. It's like the people really resonate with Goodliz. Why do you think that they do that? And what is it about your brand that you've, or the essence of what your brand is that you've tried to add in there? I think it's a number of things, right? I like. I don't think it's any one big thing. I think the hemp component is a is a huge um, is a huge aspect of it. Um, I think the fact that we're probably one of the very very few brands, hemp brands, that have been hemp and only hemp from from day one, and that's kind of our mission. Um, and yeah, so you know, it's very clear we've kind of operated within within sort of the parameters of, of our mission from, from day one. Um, you know, so I think when, when there's that element of kind of um, actually walking the walk, um, people get on board with it. I don't know, honestly, like, like I was actually, there's a, there's a brand in, in, um, in New Zealand um, called, I Love Ugly, and I'm not sure how big it is in, in Australia. Um, but I met the founder of I Love Ugly the other day, and I was just chatting with him, and and you know he like reached out to me, just wanted to chat, and I was like, mate, I grew up on a, you know a healthy sort of dose of of I Love Ugly in, in my teenage years, and I was like, here I was like sitting down with Fanboy. You know, the founder of, of 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 you know one of my you know historical favorite brands, and he's like sitting at the other end of the table, being like mate he said this he said this thing to me which is like pretty sick and i like definitely it was you know one of those moments where i was smelling the roses for sure he was just like mate i've been in this game for 
you know, 13 years and he was like, you see a handful of, of X Factor brands come along and he was like, Goodlitz has got an X Factor, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, holy shit, that's a hell of an endorsement. <laughs> Is it like so, the little momentum? Like you see when you start putting stuff out there and you're going, people are digging it. Like it's not the direct family now. It's like other people identifying with it going, fuck, that's cool. I want to rock this. This is part of like who I am and I love what they stand for. There's a million reasons why I should support. But the yeah. fact is, I still think like still needs to look cool. You know, like you can have the most sustainable and best thing, but at the end of the day, it still needs to be fashionable. Like, do you feel like you're always constantly looking at the trends and seeing what's coming up because, or do you have developed it like your own sort of thing where you play within the parameters of what you, you think? I think at this stage, I like, I, I think that I don't get me wrong. I think it's, it's been really tempting to like chase trends and, uh, and do different bits and pieces and experiment. But, it, you know, with that comes a cost of straying too far from what not only we know, but also what people have come to expect from us. So I think, We'll def- we definitely have an eye on trends in terms of you know sustainability and what's what's you know popular at the moment, what's in vogue, and what are the big boys doing? You know, what are all birds doing? What are Patagonia doing? Um, and then even like a lot of a lot of small businesses as well. We look we look to a lot of small up and comers that have to make a name for themselves, um, and it's like what are those guys doing, and how can we apply that? So. Um, yeah, like we don't go chasing trends in, the, in, ter- like in terms of like fashion. We're sort of just like sticking to kind of what we know, but we definitely, we're more, it's more like brand and sustainability, you know, initiative trends that we're looking at and we're going, okay, how can we implement that as such? What other brands do you both like? What Like outside of this, like come, growing up or what are you wearing at the moment? What brands do you, maybe Zam, start with you? What, what yeah. do you like? Oh, wow, where do I start? Um, fans, I, I, I love offense. Um, particularly the last two or three years, ever since they've started um, going into the hemp space. Um, like even right now, I'm wearing like their hemp, um, almost like worker shirt, um, pocket shirt. Um, I love I love shopping vintage. Um, I, I do a lot of my basically one of the things I love to do on tour, whether it be, you know, around Australia or overseas and places like England, love going vintage shopping. So, um, so no, I've, I've tended to start to go towards a lot of the Japanese um, styles recently. Like I absolutely love like the oversized kit, neutral colours at the moment. Um, Salomon's is my favourite shoe by far. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's ever evolving for me. Like I've, I've gone through too many phases and I'm trying to find the right one. And I think I have now, but yeah, I love the vintage Japanese style at the moment. It changes all over time though, doesn't it? So that, that's the cool part about your job, I think, is the touring and then you get to see all the different cultures and what's cool and who's who in the zoo. You go to different countries and you're going, well, that's the underground part of this place and this is what, like, that's what they're, I'm always obsessed with, like, on Instagram, you go through, it's like time diaries of, like, the punks back in the 70s from this certain area and you're going, oh, that was the fashion, that was, like, all the stuff that they thought was cool. Yeah. I think like that's the keeping up to the trends and that you're, you're traveling around. You're seeing it firsthand, mate. That must be really cool. I've, I've had some really good experiences. Um, and I love anything that has a story like good lids to me has a great story. Um, and then for example, like I was in Brighton 
in England in 2018. I walked past the store and I was like, geez, what's that jacket? I, like it was 7 p.m. and I was walking home from the pub, but the jacket was in the in the storefront. And I was like, I need to get that tomorrow. I walked in there. They said 500 pound. And I was like, I, I, what's, what's the story behind this jacket? And it was literally story MFG. They'd only just started making a few things um, back then. I bought the jacket. Now in Australia, you see it everywhere. Um, same as Stephanie Workers Club. I was in Shoreditch in London a few years ago and ran into one of those guys and he was wearing those shoes. And I was like, they're sick shoes. And he goes, that's my brand, Stephanie, Stephanie Workers Club. Come and have a beer with us right now. We'll give you a pair of shoes. And um, just like, like, just I love the story behind them as well and what they're doing with their brand. So, yeah, for me, it's a story. Like, I don't really have a certain brand in particular all the time. It's ever evolving my fashion, but something's got a story and I absolutely love it. Loving that. What about you, Dane? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a real big um, Patagonia fan. Hey, um, I think they're like the OG kind of sustainable brand. Um, and yeah, so I think, I think that's sort of my historical um, favorite brand. And I always look to them in terms of their product and, and sustainability principles. Um, it's always a good place to go sort of back to the drawing board. Hey? Um, and then I think more locally, there are a number of really cool brands doing, doing cool stuff um, in, in Australia and New Zealand, but there's a New Zealand uh, woman's wear brand called Maggie Marilyn. Um, and they, uh, yeah, they're, they're probably the best business in terms of sustainability initiatives um, that I encounter on a regular basis, like in terms of their, there's sustainability auditing, um, they're like quarterly sustainability reports. And like, you can actually just like see their progress is like going like that towards meeting their goals. Um, they produce everything like locally. They only make like small quantities and they pulled every, they had like, they had all their products and all the big department stores in the U S like they were in like Nordstrom's and, and, you know, Saks and, and all that. And after like two years, they pulled their like every single one of their items from all those department stores, despite probably making squillions um, out of that model because they just simply just, it didn't sit well with them that at the end of the season, their, their stock was discounted. They were like, we're going to sell that stock regardless. So we don't want to sell, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to have to sell another, you know, X amount of units double, let's say double the amount of stock to make the same money. You know, we'd actually rather go direct to consumer, have a good understanding of like um, how to grow sustainably in terms of how much product we're making, um, and then do it that way. So it's like those guys are those guys are like who I really look up to locally. Does it make it challenging when you've got, I guess you're setting yourself new standards in the sustainability space, you know, there's no one keeping you accountable to, Hey, we're going to hit these metrics from a sustainability point to represent our brand. Like you mentioned that one, they've gone pull things off the shelf and they're, but their roadmap towards different goals. Like, is it, is it weird when you see other people like I, I we see it and they're like, they're taking shortcuts to get to a thing where like, I feel like there's enough information out there now. Like if you're putting shit out in the world, you shouldn't be able to get away with it the way that people do, but wrapped in plastic, you know, like people still yeah. got no, it's still a lack of ethics in this space. Do you find that I guess hard as you're trying to come and make a difference? Yeah. I mean, 
like we can't well, I feel like we kind of just try and stay in our own lane and 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 sort of look ahead to to what we're trying to achieve like I certainly don't like look around and go oh I've got the shits that that this person's doing this and wouldn't it be easier like I, I kind of got into the space knowing that that was the case and and I think that it's like a double-edged sword right like if I if, if Goodlands try to do any of those things I think that you immediately shoot yourself in the foot by by doing that um because you know you've got to practice what you preach um so yeah I, I, like I don't think that yeah the temptation has actually been there just because I just know what it means and we're just like we're in it for I guess the long the long game and to actually achieve our our goals and and it sounds it sounds like contrived and almost probably like I'm full of shit but you know like if I if Goodlids makes you know good money out of it at the end of the day it's like it's kind of like secondary to to having fun and just like learning. Like I'm I'm 27. I've been this. I've been doing good lives for like for 27. Uh, yeah, I know. I look a bit old. Mate, you look mature. You know, <laughs> you look very mature. You get these meetings and they're going, "We're just saying yes to whatever he says." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, the, it's the beard. Um, but you know, so like I'm not like I don't I don't I kind of the way I operate with good lives, I'm not like. I'm not making, you know, decisions with with money kind of in mind in terms of a personal gain or or whatever. So just I'm just happy just to be like, I just think it's sick. Like I just like rock into work, like make hats, work with my brother and like my mates got Zamps on board. It's like what the fuck is going, you know, it's like it's like it's like what the fuck is going on? I'm so happy just to be to be to be doing to be doing things the way I want to be doing. And it's like I'd so much rather do that than have like an extra hundred thousand dollars in the bank every year, you know? Like nice little byproduct though. You know, you do a good job, you get paid for it. That's that's yeah. not too bad either, you know. Yeah. Best yeah. of both worlds, you know. Hey, our sponsor of the show, Heaps Normal. Question we ask all our guests is what's your version of Heaps Normal? What's the thing you turn to when you're looking to get some energy back in your life? Zamps, I reckon take you. We'll both go, but Zancy, go ahead, bro. I guess just uh, it'd be a day away from, I guess, as me as being a professional cricketer, like I, I try and wind down with what I see as a normal day, I guess. Like I, I'd wake up in the morning, coffee at home, um, try and stay away from the the phone and, and head to the beach. Um, I love, absolutely love the ocean. And then, yeah, I, I love being outdoors, to be honest, like, whether it be a walk or a hike or um, doing some gardening or even mowing the lawn, like they're the things that I kind of um, miss when I'm, when I'm away from home. Um, I always get that opportunity as well. I'm obviously away from home seven or eight months um, over the year. So I always think about what I'd rather be doing right now than being stuck in this hotel. And usually it's having a coffee at home, a swim in the ocean or, doing some gardening so um that's that's me that's what i try and go back to loving that i'm oh, loving that dreaming of vacuum and i can't wait to clean the house when i get home You're just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna get a good clean. that good crackle snap you know when you get a big, big clump oh what yeah, you, Dano? oh don't don't forget it. don't forget a cold beer as well oh mate 
But it would though, honestly, because you are, you, you, your schedule would be all pretty cooked and that normal normality of just like, fuck, I can just chill out today. Like it's not, you know, it's not something completely different. I, I would, I would, you'd miss that. I, I reckon I would too. Yeah. I miss waking up next to, you know, my wife and um, yeah. So for me, it's a big comparison. It's pretty easy to try and realize what a good day is for me. And it's just doing absolutely nothing and not thinking about work. Don't know yourself, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I like, I think it's just kind of, it, I reckon it really depends on sort of what's required. You know, if I've got like a million things to do, uh, <laughs> it can just be like taking a Sunday just to get on top of it. So I'm not in agony for, for the next five days, um, you know, doing doing that at my own pace. Um, but, you know, if, if, if I do feel like I just need a huge break from, from work or, or whatever, um, yeah, probably pretty similar, eh? Like, yeah, get out, out and about, bit of fresh air, cold beer, have a yarn with mates. I don't know. Yeah, just like pretty simple. Just doing the simple things, hey? Like just the simple, the simple pleasures, stripping it right back. Like you're looking at spreadsheets and and talking to suppliers, like you know, twelve hours a day or whatever. And then it's just like if you just strip it back to just like the real simple things, I think you get a lot. I get a lot of like energy out of out of doing that how hard is it to calm down and simmer the brain though because I, I take it you both got so much on you got the business you got cricket you got stuff how important is it sometimes to just like make the call to just switch it off because i feel like when you say passionate about things and stuff you can go down the rabbit hole you forget to eat you forget to do things when you're working so hard has it been hard for you guys to do that or has it been easy to establish like boundaries from my point of view being 30 years old now and being through the ups and downs um, that most of us go through. Like, uh, and obviously in the public eye, it's a little bit different. There's probably different pressures as well. So um, I'm probably in that, at that space now where it doesn't really, I don't have that, maybe that mental luxury um, where I maybe don't care as much as I did when I was 25. You know, I've got other things going on. I've got a a kid on the way. I've got, you know, my, you know, you know, just like little little things that I concentrate outside of cricket, obviously, like it's being one of those um, contributors. Um, yeah, I just, I probably don't care as much anymore about what people think about, you know, my cricket performance. It's all about those, as Dano said, the simple pleasures, like I could get none for 100 in a game of cricket or something like that. And I'll, I'll really enjoy just trying to reflect on it and, have a beer with you know one of the boys or have a whiskey or whatever it is mate so um yeah i think you learn it over time like at the age of 24 25 you, you go through um i found at that age I, I went through a lot in terms of who i wanted to be where i wanted to be and what i wanted to do and it was just anxiety ridden um always worried about outside noise and now it's just all about my small little circle i think if you can find a small circle um and trust that those people it's everything else is sweet it would be it would be hard in the moment though wouldn't it especially when you're going through something for the first time like representing your country and doing these all these state level things as well you're going it would be crazy of course that's the only thing you think because that's all everyone talk to you about and it's like well far out like it, it would be consuming you know and like the anxiety of performance and stuff as well like that's a that's a hard thing is to get over as well from a personal point of view like um from a mental health space like 
you're you're right. Like I I went into a professional environment where I walked in there and I went, I'm absolutely nowhere near good enough to be here. Like I'm sitting in a room with David Warner and Steve Smith and Pat Cummins and Mitchell Stark and those guys. I'm like, there's absolutely no way I should be here. And then you eventually, I don't know whether it's hard work, persistence, a bit of luck, or just all those contributors. You get to a point where I'm at now where I'm like, I actually, yeah, I do deserve to be here. And even if I, even if I'm not here in 12 months' time, yeah, I'll be disappointed. But I've got, as I said earlier, like I've got that small circle now of friends, of family, of you know, things outside of cricket that I can turn to. Well, boys, thank you so much for jumping on and letting us pick your brains about good lids. It's uh, excited to see where you both take it and uh, looking forward to getting this episode out in the world. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having us, eh, boys? It's, yeah, I've, I've mentioned a few days ago to Locke that I've, that I've listened to the podcast for a while, so it's, 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 it's pretty cool to, um, yeah, to be on here. It's great. Thanks so much for having us. Hey, did you know that the Funny Business Podcast is powered by the Wellbeing Network? The old shameless self-plug. I don't mind it. Well, about time, I feel like I've been holding back as I've often been criticised of being too modest and humble. I don't think anyone's ever said that to you, but it's time to move on. As well as producing podcasts like Funny Business, we have our own digital consultancy where we specialise in product and app development, lean, agile ways of working and talent augmentation. Talk about shameless self-promotion. Anyway, if you work in product and tech and want the right type of help so you can smash your goals and become a high-performing organisation, get in touch now. Hit up our contact page on our website at www.wellbeingnetwork.com.au or you can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. (laughs) 